0: And welcome back as we continue on here in the 5 o'clock hour. Time to talk Bears as the Bears are in action tonight. It's the Hall of Fame game. We go to one guy each and every time we want to talk Chicago Bears football. He is Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. Jeff, we made it. Football season kind of is here.
1: Kind of is, is the correct word. You're, you will see about as many relevant Chicago Bears tonight uh, as you're seeing on the golf course at, in uh, Bridgestone this week, <laughs> nobody will touch the field tonight. That they have any expectations for in 2018.
0: So we're going to see, yeah, yeah. A, a, a a scaled back version of the Chicago Bears, and of course, the third preseason game, the third week of of the normal tenure. That's when we see, you know, the guys for the most part. We get them into the second part of the second uh, half of the game, and and get them a little bit more so. What are you going to be looking for? What, where is your eye going to be going this evening?
1: Uh, to sleep is option one. <laughs> but option, no, But I, I think tonight will be interesting to see who the Bears have relegated to the actual field. Because the guys that play tonight are the guys who will be fighting for roster spots come the end of the preseason. So if you don't see Kevin White tonight, don't be surprised. Because the Bears expect Kevin White to be on the roster if you see uh, a player maybe like an Adam Shaheen out there tonight, that means he's got more work to do than maybe we know to, to stay relevant on the roster. I don't think that'll be the case. I think you're going to see very few guys tonight uh, of any relevance. A lot of undrafted rookies. A lot of bottom-of-the-roster guys. That, you know they got 90 guys on this roster. You're going to see a lot of 70 to 90 tonight.
2: Hmm, interesting. Will we see Trubisky at least one series or not?
1: I don't think so, Uh, and if he goes out there, I'd be shocked if he throws a pass. You know, the league has changed so much, but this Hall of Fame game specifically, these guys have only been in pads two or three times. So they're not going to go out there and risk some fluky play where Trubisky gets hurt because a backup lineman doesn't do his job. So this tonight is, is the true definition of an exhibition game. It is played for TV. It is played to commemorate the Hall of Fame ceremony. And that's really all you're going to get from it.
0: Well, this weekend we will get to hear from the Hall of Famer, Brian Urlacher, as he's inducted him. Ray Lewis, obviously, why we're seeing the Bears and the Ravens uh, be in this game for the Hall of Fame. Also, the change, normally this game had been played in the past on Sunday, moved up now and it being played on a Thursday. A, do you expect a, a lot of Bears fans in attendance for the game this evening? And the second part of it, what are you looking forward to with Urlacher, as he's inducted in?
1: Well, I think a lot of Bears fans have made the trip. Uh, Brian Urlacher is a definitive player for an entire generation of Bears fans. I think folks forget that the 90s were a pretty barren time uh, for the Chicago Bears. And realistically, though it's kind of looked at as a weird golden age now, the Lovey Smith years were productive, and they were a popular team. And Urlacher was the face of that team. Now, he was there before, uh, but he was the face of that. So to, to the Bears fan... Who is say thirty five or younger, or maybe even a little bit younger than that? He's the greatest bear they have ever seen. Now, I would argue Charles Tillman was a better player, but I lose that argument all the time. The the, the there will be a lot of thirty year old Bears fans there because he is the first guy they got to watch play as a bear and get to this level that is the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, I would expect uh, I would expect a lot of Bears fans in attendance. I would expect a lot of Ravens fans in attendance, and I think. I think they're going to be disappointed in the game, but the ceremony on Saturday should should make their weekend worth it.
2: So the big question is, will the bust have hair or no hair? Well, it depends. Now, can he get the bust sponsored by that company that gave him the hair? <laughs> right.
1: And if he can do the this, if you go through Chicago, him with that hair is on billboards all over the city. So
2: oh, yeah. I forget
1: the name of that yeah. company, but if they can get that sponsored... I think that would really change the way they do those busts in can. You could start having sponsors for everybody who gets in, and they could make some money in can.
0: Favorite Brian Urlacher memory. What do you have? What do you, have? When you think, Urlacher? What jumps out to you? So I was
1: in uh, what was then Giant Stadium in Jersey back-to-back weeks in 2006 when the Bears played the Giants and the Jets. And the one game, and I know everybody goes to the 06, uh, they are who we thought they were game, but yeah. – the game that I saw live was Erlacher against the Jets and Chad Pennington. And the Bears had no reason to win that game, except Brian Urlacher willed them to victory that day. He picked off Chad Pennington. The, Bears, the Jets had moved the ball right down the field. And then he picked off Chad Pennington. And I was, I was sitting maybe 40 yards from where that happened. And I looked at Pennington, and you could see in the quarterback, he did not understand that a linebacker could make that play. Ryan cut about 15 yards across the field to pick off a pass, and Pennington, and they could just tell, when it happened, he said, wow, I've never, I've never seen a linebacker do that. How could I ever anticipate that? And that play changed the game, and it changed how Pennington played the game, and I remember that day, watching, going, this guy, he must have a lot more respect, even in other locker rooms, than I even know about, and... That's the thing about Erlacher. When you hear the great quarterbacks he's faced talk about him, they talk about him like an equal, like an adversary. Rogers said it. Favre mm-hmm. said it. The guys he went up against always respected him because he was the quarterback of that defense, and, and he could do things that very few linebackers in history could do.
2: And just remember that in college at New Mexico, he was a free safety. So a kick it's a and a kick returner, yes. That's yep. that's, mean, he's why he, that's why he is, had that uh, speed. You know, That word yes. "freakish"
1: is kind of weird, but but that's what yeah. he wasn't in, in the pros. He came in as a middle linebacker, but he was undersized. So the Bears very wisely put Ted Washington and Keith Trailer in front of him to keep blockers yeah. off. And so after those guys left, Erlacher was criticized in Chicago very very thoroughly because he really couldn't shed blockers. And it wasn't until Lovey came in. And that defense that allowed a middle linebacker to roam free to play in space that fit him so perfectly—he is the perfect middle linebacker for the Tampa Two defense. And I think that's how he'll be remembered: the best Tampa Two linebacker there ever was.
0: And getting depth, and it was just incredible how much depth he could get there when they had the the shell there in the cover two, and how good he was uh, against and good the hands. Backs. Yeah,
1: he caught he caught the ball well. I mean, it was. He was The athleticism is something that you just don't see at that position even now as, as you've seen that position has actually gone back now in the pros to being a safety. We're seeing guys come in like Erlacher now, and they are sort of box safety uh, hybrid linebackers. But, you know, Brian was a straightforward middle linebacker, and he just found the right system for his talents.
0: All right. Is there uh, another Hall of Famer on the roster? Who's the next Chicago Bear? Uh, at least a recent vintage. We we could go way back, the guys that still have got in, but who would be the next Bear if you had to pick one?
1: If Devin Hester does not get into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, the Bears blog will will be on fire for the <laughs> entire year. I, I, here's my thing about Devin I know, so I'm going to fight for Charles Tillman, too. Mm-hmm. Charles Tillman changed the way this game is played. He made the turnover, the punch fumble. He made that into a play that is now taught in every training camp across the league. He revolutionized the way the the turnover happens in the NFL. But Devin Hester is the greatest kick returner in the history of the sport. And I don't understand why have a Hall of Fame if you're not going to put in a guy who was the greatest to ever do what he did. It was my argument for years about Ray Guy. It's my argument for any position. If you are the best that ever did it, and they don't put you in the Hall of Fame, why have a Hall of Fame? And Hester is inarguably the greatest kick returner that's ever played he is the most exciting Chicago Bear of my lifetime. I would argue he's probably the most exciting Bear of anybody's lifetime because that building never lit up or fired up more than when he had the ball in his hands on a kick return. So Hester belongs in. I hope he gets in. But I know how that room works when they, when they choose who gets in this Hall of Fame, and they usually make the wrong decision.
2: Look, uh, Steve Tasker with the Buffalo Bills is considered to be the greatest special teams player of all time, and he's not in so I hope, I hope I hope Hester I hope Hester has a better fate
1: yeah Steve Tasker, you know it tends to be Buffalo Bills, guys like Don Beebe I mean guys guys who yeah. find their positions it, it, it's, we can't say hey, special teams are valuable and then not put the great special teamers. And I heard someone arguing recently, is Adam Vinatieri a Hall of Famer? Well, if Adam is not a Hall of Famer, who is? I mean, the guy won multiple Super Bowls on his foot. I mean, he's one of the great players in the history of the game. Uh, but what happens is it becomes a political fight among a bunch of writers who I think take the gig a little too seriously and don't just go to common sense. And common sense usually tells you, hey, whether that guy was a Hall of Famer or not. And nobody... Whoever coached against Devin Hester on special teams believes he's anything other than a Hall of Famer.
0: Talking right now with Jeff Hughes from Bears blog. From a look back, let's take a look forward and fill us in with the latest Roquan Smith. We uh, continue to wait. His signing sounds like a couple of different layers to the story here of of what he's looking for and the Bears, for a lot of people being painted in a bad light.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what I've with the, the last bits of information that I've gotten and I've been working on this a bit today. Ownership right now inside Palace Hall is still not overly concerned. They believe this is going to get done. They understand why it is taking as long as it is. There is uh, Roquan's agents are asking for some language in this contract that has not really been done in the league before, and the Bears are not sure if they want to set the precedent on this language. Now, the specifics of that language, you can read Adam Jones's piece in the Sun Times uh, yesterday. You know, a lot of it's about off-field behavior. Some of it's about the help, uh, the the new uh, head-down tackling rule, but that's been overblown. Uh, there's just some things in here the Bears aren't sure they want to be the first team to do. Uh, I will tell you this. When I knew this could be a little bit contentious, when a friend of mine who's a GM in the league sent me a text saying, the whole league is watching this. And I said, uh-oh, those usually go on a while. Uh, th- there, This could drag on. And I would, I would encourage Bears fans just to take a step back. Everyone likes to blow up the importance of training camp, the importance of the preseason. Ultimately, Roquan Smith needs about two weeks, maybe three weeks, to be ready for the start of the regular season. He's got five weeks to go until we get to that point. I wouldn't start getting worried about him not being there for another week or so. And I really believe that both sides will come to their senses and he'll be there in the next seven to ten days.
2: Uh, Jeff, back to uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, do you? I mean, can you go on the record and say that this new offense that he's going to have, with the players that he's going to have, he will look like a different quarterback than what we saw in his first season?
1: Oh, he's going to look entirely different. And everybody who's been around him has talked to him, has seen him in practice this offense is going to be indistinguishable from what they ran a year ago. It's going to be a lot of run-pass option. They're going to use his athleticism. They're going to get him outside the pocket. He's going to be looking at easy throws all over the field. I mean, the thing about last year was their offense was so remedial and so, I don't know what word you would even use for. It was run on first down, run on second down, throw on third and long. And there really isn't a quarterback in the league who can succeed in that setup. This year, they're going to be dynamic. They're going to have formations we've never seen a Bears team run before. They've got three or four quality tight ends. They've got guys out of the backfield who can catch. And now with Anthony Miller really uh, emerging in camp, they've got four or five guys at wide receiver they believe can be real contributors. So I think if Trubisky doesn't succeed with the talent around him and the coaching around him, that'll be on him because the Bears have done everything right to this point on offense to make sure he can succeed. I think you'll take a huge step up here in year two.
0: Jeff, am I uh, crazy for betting the over in tonight's game?
1: <laughs> what is the over-under? That's the first question. I, don't, I didn't even look. What is it? 33. <sighs> how, how confident are you that that uh, that uh, Bray can throw like eight touchdown passes? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... What, is Lamar Jackson going to So if Lamar Jackson yes. plays, I like the over. Yeah. Because... I don't. I mean, well, Lamar Jackson has to be better than the third string defense of the Chicago Bears. So, yeah. I mean, I remember watching these kinds of games. You're, you're gonna see points. I mean, 33 is a low over under for any yes. any game. But I mean, why not bet the over? At least you're rooting for points and not just hoping the game ends.
0: And it'll keep me involved until the fourth quarter. So I got something to Which watch, something to root for.
1: I will have what, what I'm writing for tomorrow morning done and dusted. <laughs> Well before the fourth quarter, so you will be a better man than I. I will be, I will be channel surfing by 11 p.m. I hope,
2: looking to see what else is on. Good stuff, hey. hey Jeff. The, uh, oh, go ahead, Jim. The basket, the bat. Yeah, the basketball tournament's so on. Oh, you can geez. watch that. No. Yeah. I'll, listen, I'll be watching replays
1: on the golf channel before I'm watching the late fourth quarter of the Hall of Fame game. So,
0: <laughs> Jeff, be good. We appreciate it. We'll be talking a lot here here throughout the month of August. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That's Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog. Great information, as always, with Jeff there. And a big thank you for him for joining us today. Jimmy B., how much of this one are you going to watch tonight? Uh, Probably a couple
2: series that I I just, I I don't know. Trent, if you get a couple of exciting plays, maybe I'll hang around for a while. Like if a running back breaks off a 40, 45-yarder, Uh, If we get a kickoff return, if somebody tries an onside kick, uh, pass play of 35 to 50 yards, okay, now you've hooked me. So I I might hang until maybe the first half, and then I'll probably let it go.
0: It's my team, so I'll be more involved than I normally would be, obviously. Yes. Uh, That makes things just a little bit different here, but yeah, I'm not going to be... Completely breaking down things, but uh, a rooting interest, though, that point spread for people looking to jump on the over tonight, it has (laughs) moved. It's up to 35 Ah. now, so if you're looking to take a hit at the over-under, the number has increased up to to 35. We should have... we should have called Chris Andrews at the South Point to get his analysis
2: of the Hall of Fame game for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <we don't> <laughs> Probably we, not. We don't want to waste our time with Chris on things like that. We'll, we'll save that. we got a lot more to come as we get ready for football season. Coming up on the other side, more on football. This of a different variety Ohio State. We go to Ohio next. Ken Silverstein, an opportunity to talk with him. The latest with the Buckeye football program and Urban Meyer. We'll do that on the other side as we continue on with you until 6 o'clock here tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues on with you until 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, how about timing for our next guest? He joins us each and every Thursday talking Big Ten, talking Cavs and LeVron. Well, at least back in the day, that Cavalier conversation probably not going to be anymore. Everything going on in Ohio. It's Ken Silverstein with us today. Ken, what's happening?
3: Our weekly visit, guys, Uh, let's see, what's happening here, (laughs) let me me ponder, let's just put it this way, I'm on the road and have been, uh, for the last uh, day or so, um, making stops in Columbus, among other places, and uh, it's it's wild, as they say, so I know we're going to get into it, Uh, obviously got some thoughts, I know you guys have thoughts on what might occur, what should occur, what might not occur, so... uh, I'll let you fire away, and we'll dig into, uh, obviously, what appears to be a topic du jour uh, on this Thursday.
0: Well, let's let's start right there with the Buckeyes. And, Ken, I just want to basically keep it open-ended for you. As, as it sits here today on Thursday, the situation, what you're hearing, Urban Meyer on leave right now, paid administrative leave at the moment, but open-ended for you, just your opening thoughts and where we sit here today.
3: Well, yesterday was wild. Um, it reminded me, uh, we're both going to age here quickly, it reminded me of the Jim Trussell saga back more than a few years ago. I don't know if it's going to have the same outcome, because I'm not sure they are totally comparable. Um, Trussell's deal, well, it was multifaceted, but when you cut through all, all of it, and, you know, you can Google it or, you know, check Wikipedia, whatever. The bottom line is his downfall was fibbing, and I'm being kind, fibbing to the NCAA. Okay. Now, he fibbed because he, in his mind, was protecting his players who were not exactly from the rich side of the tracks. And what they did back X amount of years ago, back I guess it would have been around two, or 2, I guess 3 or 4, I can't remember what year it was. Bottom line is... Um, Lying to the FBI in, in, in political situations we find ourselves in today or lying to the NCAA is not the thing to do, and that eventually caused trussle. And so obviously the sweater vest moved on. This potentially is a very different deal. And this is really, really complicated, but at the same time it's very understandable, particularly if you're married or have a buddy who's been in a bad marriage. Um, we hear stuff, we see stuff. Um, it's easy to point fingers at one side or the other. I I will tell you this, I, I never met Mrs. Smith. I wouldn't know if I tripped over, I've seen pictures of her, but she wouldn't know me vice versa. Okay. But what I'm getting out of this are, and we all can relate to this is a guy and a gal getting together. They end up getting married for whatever reasons they think it's love, whatever you want to call it. And they are the two wrong people to get married, okay? They are just, it's combustible. It's combustible because of their personalities, their immaturity, their stupidity. And what makes it worse is sometimes you get in a relationship and it's only one of the two. In this case, I feel like Dr. Phil here, it's both of them, okay? So it's a bad combustible situation. And I'm not condoning anything, okay? What he did or is alleged to have done, a better way of saying it, alleged to have done is is wrong, okay? Flat out W-R-O-N-G, exclamation point. But she's not perfect in this situation, okay? In the way I see this, she set him up more than a couple times. And that's diabolical and that's wrong, that's despicable, any other word you want to come up with. So now we fast forward to uh, the more current situation. And some of folks may not know this. Um, coach Smith is the grandson of former head coach at Ohio State and elsewhere, Earl Bruce. Right. And where this gets complicated, and I've known this for a long, long time, I don't suppose anyone else around the Big Ten is that Urban Meyer is kind of a unique guy. Um, If you are trusted and in his circle, you are in the circle. If you are not, you don't get close. You don't even get within five feet, five yards, 50 yards, whatever the deal may be. He, meaning Urban Meyer, loved the late Earl Bruce, who passed away, obviously, recently. Um He treated and thought of Earl Bruce as his second dad, okay? So we're talking about a very special relationship. So when Zach Smith was moving up, became a teenager, wanted to become a football coach, wanted to be, you know, whatever, um, you know, there are connections, and I'll do you a favor, you do me a favor, whatever. The bottom line is he ended up hiring him back years ago the University of Florida, and we fast forward to Ohio State, he ends up being a wide receiver coach. Now, between you and I, he should not have been the wide receiver coach at Ohio State. But, to his credit, he flat out can recruit. There's no doubt about it. He can recruit at any level. He could recruit at USC. He could recruit at Texas. He could recruit at Michigan, Penn State. He's a flat out, really good recruiter. But as a position coach, he's not very good and did not belong at the level of Ohio State, to be quite frank with you. And I'm not sure if he picked the worst team in the Big Ten, he needed to be there also. But because of the relationship with Earl Bruce, Urban Meyer kept him on. Now, I was told late yesterday that Meyer tried to get him out of here, or tried to get him out of Columbus. Knew, you know, it was time to get him out of here. And he tried very hard to find him another job because again he was even though Earl's not around anymore, he was still trying, you know, to please Earl. Okay. And he thought he had him another job and then at the wire it fell apart. And then he said to himself, Well, all right, I guess I'm stuck with him for another year. And you know, yeah, flat out he can recruit for me and he gets really good players for me, but all right, I'll deal with him. So it's complicated. It's um I, you know i guess we'll get into it deeper and deeper with your other questions about where i think this thing's going to go but that's a lot of the, of the background maybe even more background than you probably even need to know but that's a lot of the background
2: uh ken silverstein is our guest here on the big talker 1700 ken let's begin then with this i always operate for the most part you are innocent until proven guilty There is an awful lot of smoke around this thing. Uh, Generally, where there's big smoke, there's fire. Is there any way possible that you can see that Urban Meyer can save his job at Ohio State? In your thought process, what would have to take place? How could Ohio State spin this or exonerate him that he really didn't know, that his wife didn't tell him? How how in the world can they make this work in order to keep him, in your estimation?
3: Well, they're working on it. I, I, I think his, his saving grace, if he beats this, is that he had been, meaning Urban Meyer, very open in regards to the local police departments. He did not hide anything, to the best of my knowledge, he did not hide anything with the suburban police departments and the various issues between these two human beings. In the case of the former Mrs. Smith and and uh, and the former uh, assistant um, uh, assistant coach, wide receiver coach at Ohio State. So, no one can say, in my opinion, for what what I know right now, and things can change. Obviously, an hour from now, or tomorrow, or we, you know, next week. But as of this. Conversation. No one can say I don't think that he, Urban Meyer, tried to hide anything in regards to police reports or tried to influence the police departments. You know, because sometimes what happens on these deals is the coach, the manager, whatever sport it may be, gets on the phone and says, "Hey, can you see it a little differently? This is my guy. You know, we are this, and you know, I'll do you a favor." To the best of my knowledge, none of that occurred. That may be his saving grace because that would be the downfall for many other people because you take your power and your position and try to influence the cops. To the best of my knowledge, that did not occur. Now, with the wife, that's a sticky wicket. I'm married, um, you know, whatever. Um, would, Would my wife tell me? Mm, I would say yes, but I can't say 100% yes. But I would say high percentage, Jim's met my wife in the past. I think he would say, yeah, Ken, having met your wife before, she would probably tell you, you know, in a unique or comparable situation, I compare myself that I'd be the head coach of a major Big Ten school, but under whatever scenario we're talking about, that that would be the case. That's going to be the sticky wicket. The other wicket, Jim and Trent, are Title Nine issues. Yeah. And that's where it gets above my pay scale. I mean, I called someone this morning who is my guy when it comes to Title Nine. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, so he wasn't surprised I called on this subject matter. We spent about ten minutes on the phone. Um, his... He said, it's tricky because he says, I don't, I don't have all, all the information. He said, he said, I think the compromise would be the following. It's been done before by other institutions of so-called higher learning, that they would suspend him, Urban Meyer, for X amount of games. It could be five, it could be four, it could be two, it could be three. It would be more than one game. That would be the middle-of-the-road compromise. And it's his belief that that's what's going to occur. And he's really good at this stuff. But, again, he kept saying to me, Ken, look, I'm not working on this case. No one. I've had a couple other calls other than you. I've told them what I'm telling you. I don't know. I'm not. i am not He. let us put it this way. He is really way up in the past with other Big Ten schools. But he kept cautioning me and saying, look, I don't have. Um, all the information I've seen what's out there publicly. I got maybe a little bit more than the public does, but I can't circle all the bases. He use a baseball metaphor, and those were exact words. So, he, it was his belief that a suspension would be the uh, the middle of the road. Um, the Ryan Day, who at this point has been named the quote quote interim, would Coached the team for whatever number of games and then urban meyer would come on back he probably would also be fined and that money would go to um some type of charity that works with these kind of issues battered wives whatever the deal might be um the university would probably match it also now is that enough to appease certain people i don't know i think i think myself if it's an, if it's enough numerical number of games, then personally I think it might be okay. Um, but that's just me. Other people might think he's getting off scot free, and they would have that right. You know, they'd have that right to that opinion.
0: So here in our state, there are uh, cyclone fans a little bit nervous if Urban Meyer does get the axe. Have you heard the name Matt Campbell? bandied about at all out there because uh dan patrick show earlier today there was a lot of conversation about that a couple of the guys that work on that show had mentioned his name that they'd been hearing it quite a bit a guy mount union guy lived in ohio what 34 of his 38 years here uh has that been a name that you've heard bandied about or is it still too early for that out in ohio
3: well it's it's early the guy the guy they would bring in is tom herman they would throw I mean, they're paying Urban Meyer, I mean, $70 million. Mm -hmm. They would pay Tom Herman. Uh, This would be a battle royale. You're talking about (laughs) two of the most powerful, richest, biggest, baddest, whatever you want to call it, football programs in the country. You're talking about two of the top five jobs in America. (sighs) Nothing against the ISU coach, and it makes sense. Um, and I think he would be in the running, but if they could get, they won't get him this year. They would have to go. If they blow him out, okay, at 73-8, and eight, three national championships, and the talent on this squad in the next two years with recruiting classes that have been number two and number two only behind Alabama and Georgia last couple of years, I mean, they are so loaded, it's ridiculous, okay? If I can see it, but let me, Tom Herman can see it and others. They would go interim of the season give day a shot he'd have to win 10 11 games um i mean because around these parts you don't win 10 11 games it's a i mean the the, the state's gonna fall in the (laughs) river pardon my french the ohio river or in the (laughs) northern part it would fall in the lake erie pardon my french again there so the long and the short is if they did blow him out and he wasn't head coach at all this year and Ryan Day would be the interim. Tom Herman would be the number one choice. Um, they would look at a couple other people, but they would go after Tom Herman big time, and it would be a ma- major battle because money's no object. Money is no object at all. They got, they got more money than G.O.D., okay? Uh, and, they, and the way they do things around there is if they know what they want, they go out and get it done. They don't, they don't putz around. Okay? Not with this alumni association. Not with these heavy hitters. So money is no object. So it would be Tom Herman would be the guy they would want. The question would be, would Tom want to leave the University of Texas for Ohio State? I think Ohio State would be the only job that he would leave for because he spent time here, won a national championship with Urban Meyer here. So if he would ever leave, I don't know if he would, but if he would ever leave Austin, the only place he would go, in my opinion, would be go back to Ohio State. Uh, but we're getting far down the road. His name has come up. A couple others have come up. Um, but this thing, you know, again, until, and my guess is, because someone asked me earlier today on another show, when do I think this is going to come down? Again, this is a pure guess, pure guess. you got lawyers involved in this. you got president of the university is involved the ad gene smith is involved you know i was told this morning that this now has gone above gene smith the ad and i'm not surprised by that it's not a slap in the face of gene smith i think that would happen at any university this is being played at the president's level um and it's being played at the regent's level which obviously worked with uh the president of the school michael drake is his name um so it's going to be, I'd say by Friday of next week, I'd say six more business days. Tomorrow and then five days wow. next week, I think we'll have an idea of where this thing is going. And wouldn't surprise me if they fire him. Uh, we are living in a very politically correct era. I'm not condoning allegedly what he did or didn't do, okay? I'm just saying there's a lot of pressure on these universities to do certain things and I'll say this one other thing if he is fired and again I don't know I would say Jim is hinting at more than 50 50 and I think that's fair I think it's more than 50 percent that he will be fired compared to some of the other issues and again I'm not I'm not dismissing spousal abuse believe me I'm not okay I'm very liberal when it comes to those type of social issues without getting into my politics particularly. But the bottom line is these schools are under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Two, society has changed for the better, no doubt about it, for the better. But the other thing is where it may not be fair totally is that if you compare it to other things that other coaches in basketball and football have done, and those are the two big moneymakers in college athletics, if he gets fired for this compared to some of the things we've seen in the last year, Kentucky comes to mind, okay, or excuse me, Louisville comes to mind, I apologize, not Kentucky, Louisville comes to mind, and others over the years. And if you backtrack this over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years and look at all the different situations, in my mind, this is going to be really small potatoes because this is not a recruiting violation. This is not paying players. This is not moving families so you can get a kid to play on your football basketball team, this is, I'm not, if he is fired and they find it, you know, that he did wrong, okay, fine, everybody lives with it, or at least most people to some extent will live with it, but if you try to compare it to some of the other shenanigans that have gone on in collegiate athletics, no, it, it's going to pale in comparison, but we are in a different time, and whether people like it or not, they can do kicking and screaming, Bottom line is, times are changing.
0: That's Ken Silverstein joining us from Ohio. Ken, as always, appreciate the time. Great getting that perspective up close on what's happening at Ohio State. Thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. We'll talk
3: to you next Thursday, guys. Look forward to it.
0: There's Ken Silverstein joining us, Jimmy B, and I'm catching a frog in my throat. I think you're giving me whatever crap that you have in the voice right now. I'm starting
2: to make a little bit of a comeback, so I'm better than I was yesterday.
0: You're you're improving. That's a good thing. We'll get the time out here. Coming back with more on the other side with you until 6 o'clock tonight, it's Jimmy B and TC. We are back with you one final time here. Jimmy B and TC continues on, 1700 KBGG. And, Jim, well, we talked about it earlier this hour, and uh, we've talked a lot of NFL today. Obviously, the Ohio State situation continues to be monitored, uh, monitored from us, Jim. But uh, overall, Bears-Ravens early. It got some baseball mm-hmm. on the agenda. What's the clicker going to be up to tonight?
2: Well, I'm, I am going to uh, watch some of the football game, and you're probably saying, why? Well, it's because it's football. That's why I'm going to watch it, and it'll stink. But... Uh, Maybe I'll make it through the first half. Uh, there is some pretty decent baseball coming up. Yankees, Boston. I'll probably sample that a little bit. San Diego and the Cubs. The Cubs are playing the Padres. That's ho-hum to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee at the Dodgers. Unbelievable finish last night with Grundell and the uh, walk-off two-run homer. in extra innings, so I'll probably watch some of that, Trent. And you know... Because it is the semifinals tonight of the basketball tournament. And Team Fredette is the second game. I will be watching Jimmer go for 30 tonight. Eight assists, five rebounds, a couple of steals.
0: And gives up 42 on the other end.
2: I don't think that's going to happen.
0: The team isn't good enough to do that. Oh, okay, okay. Your yeah. love of Jimmer continues. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jim. So the, the basketball tournament, I flipped on a couple of times. It, its It doesn't do a ton for me, but you're excited about it. That's a good thing. I am. Look, you could watch the women's friendly soccer tonight, the USA, playing Brazil. No, no. That, that, no? That no. then that, that blow your skirt up? Okay. It's football, okay. Jim. It's finally here. Yeah. <laughs> it's football. We we made it. It's football. I'm going to be locked and loaded in this thing and, and looking forward to it. And you know what? After the first couple of plays, they're like, oh, this stinks. Yeah, this is awful. This st- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, well, the Bears obviously now, because they're playing in the Hall of Fame game, they'll have five preseason games. So they're fourth The week four for all intents and purposes, the big one. They'll be uh, against Kansas City in that matchup in their uh, final second-to-last preseason game. But you know, talking to Jeff Hughes earlier, doesn't sound like we'll see Mitchell Trubisky, maybe not even at all tonight. That puts yeah. a damper on things. You take a look at you know, some of the rookies, obviously excited to see what they have at the receiver position now and what they're going to be able to get out of Anthony Miller. Kevin White, what can he give them after the injury-plagued career that he has had? Allen Robinson's still on the comeback trail, but yeah, football pads popping, getting excited for that. <laughs> going to be a good time, and uh, and doing that also, Jimmy B. And and the baseball side of things, you're right. I, I in fact, before you mention it, I kind of forgot that we're back What's to getting up? we're getting Yankees Red Sox again, a four game series, yeah. the wraparound series uh, starting on Thursday. I had forgot about that, so that is certainly on the agenda for me. I'm going to be looking forward to that one. Jim, I talked to you about this, oh, what was it, maybe even three, four weeks ago. Just the importance of of having this game back and, and having the importance of Red Sox-Yankees. We haven't seen this a whole lot. And over the past, mm-hmm. what, 15 years, we had it for so long through the late 90s and the early 2000s, and now it's been away for a while. I think it's incredibly important to have that back for the sport, have this rivalry. I know there are plenty of people here in the Midwest that get annoyed by it, think that it's gone too far that they've taken too much, and ESPN is maybe over-dramatized what we have seen. To me, though, after it being away for a while, it is very, very important. I love
2: a good rivalry. I, I like it when you get tonight's matchup, when you have Cubs-Cardinals- and when you have Giants Dodgers on the West Coast, uh, I I love the big rivalries uh, in baseball. There aren't many of them. Trent, you're not. Are you going to try to tell me that that Houston Atlanta Braves game is a monster rivalry game? Right. No. no. Yeah. So when when this does come up, you have to try to take advantage of it. So I'm with you that the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is definitely back.
0: Speaking of uh, football, Jimmy B, in our last couple of minutes here, have you seen uh, down in Kansas City some of the continued (laughs) struggles of Patrick Mahomes? Three Uh interceptions in practice yesterday. Again, a couple of interceptions early in practice today. He's got the big arm. He's done everything right. But my concern with this guy is certainly not the arm talent. We know that this guy is as talented as you're going to find. Just spinning the football in terms of arm strength and those things. But there's more that goes into it here and trying to fight it, you know, put it in the tight window. The comparisons a lot of times you hear is Brett Favre with Mahomes. And, and I like the comp, but to get to that level, I mean, you're talking about a different kind of level. It seems like a stretch.
2: Look, uh, if he fails miserably, all of those fans that were clamoring run Alex Smith out of town. Well, you got what you wanted, and now look at you. That's if he fails miserably. If if he has some success, and you have to remember, even though he was there all last season, he did get on the field a little bit, but it wasn't like he was playing every game. That Mm -hmm. was Alex Smith who was doing that. So he's going to have to get his base, get comfortable, understand the playbook. As best as he can, I saw one of the reports, went to the line of scrimmage, called the wrong play. So from that aspect, are there going to be areas that he's going to struggle in? Absolutely. I'm with you. We know the arm's not an issue. He is also a terrific athlete. He can take off and go with the football. But once again, I always caution... He got a rookie, which pretty much he is. Even though he was there, he still didn't play an awful lot. So this is his first season. He's going to be air-prone, and with his big arm, he's going to try to force balls where he shouldn't. And it'll be costly for the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Tomorrow, a football Friday here on the program. Our first one of the season. We'll have football to recap with the Hall of Fame game coming up this evening. And a look forward a lot of talk on the Hawkeyes and Cyclones as well. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll be at it starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller from 12 until 2. And then on your drive home, it's Jimmy B and TC here from 4 until 6 o'clock. Enjoy the football tonight. Enjoy everything else in the world of sports. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on 1700.